Jesus, the all-inclusive land, is everything to me. Lord Jesus, be with us as we open your word, as we contact you, as we learn even how to apply you in every circumstance. We pray for this. We pray for ourselves, for our experience, our enjoyment of Christ. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we come to our third session now, and uh, we're enjoying this wonderful topic of the all-inclusive Christ. First, in the first session, we saw that there are many types in the Old Testament, all pointing us to Christ. Actually, the Old Testament is just a picture book showing us many things. The temple is a type of Christ. It's a type of the church. Even Noah's Ark is a type of Christ and a type of the church. We have persons like Adam, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even Joseph, uh, David, Solomon. All of these persons are types of Christ in various ways. Then you have different uh, figures, things like offerings, the offerings, the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, sin offering and trespass offering, even the drink offering and the wave offering. All of these and the heave offering, all of these point us to various aspects of Christ. Um, you have uh, items of food like the, the, the lamb the Passover lamb, you have the manna, uh, you have the uh, different, different, many different symbols, uh, pictures, figures, shadows, all of them are directing us to an aspect of Christ. But there's only one aspect or one type in the Old Testament that points us to an all-inclusive Christ. Now, this is really by far the highest and greatest type in the Old Testament. It shows us the good land of Canaan is a type of the all-inclusive Christ. Um, we see that the goal of this good land is that God's people would be there. All of them would be brought through the wilderness and into this land that this land is, a, is an elevated land. It's a land of milk and honey. And in this land, God intended that his people would establish his kingdom and build his, his house, the temple. That there would be a kingdom of God there. There would be the house of God there. There would be God's people there enjoying God's presence, living in the kingdom this is the ultimate goal. And so, saints, if we don't know Christ as the all-inclusive Christ, that means that we still have, we're still in the wilderness or we still may be in Egypt and that the Lord needs to bring us forward into this good land to possess it, to experience, enjoy it by applying all of the details. Now, the first aspect that we saw was the goodness of the land. The goodness. It's a good land. It's a land good. It's exceedingly good land. These are all the expressions 
that the Bible uses to describe this land. We also saw that there's constantly a battle that Satan wants to get us off of this land into captivity in another land, another country, another kingdom. He wants us to be off this land because this land is the land that God will accomplish his eternal purpose. And so we are here fighting for this land, struggling, even uh, striving, endeavoring to enter into this good land to enjoy all the riches of this good land. We saw first that it was good in its spaciousness. Uh, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. There's no measurement that this land is like the universe. It is spacious. It's unlimited. Every aspect of Christ is immeasurable, is unlimited. It's like, uh, it's like the universe. There's no way to measure from one end of the universe to the other. There's no breadth. There's no length. There's no height. There's no depth. There's just... Just those words, breadth, how broad, impossible to know, impossible to know, how long, how deep, how high. Brothers and sisters, we need to explore the spaciousness of this land. We need to test the Lord. Even, I don't mean test him in a way of putting him on on a test or or, uh, to rebel. I mean, we need to try this out. We need to explore, experiment, apply him in every situation to test out if this is true or not. You do this. Test this out. See if you can exhaust this Christ. If there is an experience of your human life, if there is a suffering that's too great, a difficulty that's too hard, test the Lord. Find out. Try him. Apply him and see. The second thing we saw was not only the goodness of the land in his spaciousness, we saw the goodness of the land in its ascendancy. It's a transcendent land. It's a mountainous land. It's a land in the ascension of Christ. It is a land that has come out of the death waters and is a mountain. The mountains of Zion. Even Zion is called Mount Zion. And it's a land of of mountains. And this speaks of the height of Israel, speaking of the Lord through his death and his resurrection. He was buried in the depths of the earth. And in resurrection, he, he came out of the death waters and he ascended to the height, to the third heavens, That's how high this mountain is. This mountain is as high as the third heavens, the ascended Christ where the throne of God is. That's the top of this mountain. And you know what? In Revelation, at the end of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, there's another mountain there, and this mountain is called the New Jerusalem. And at the top of this mountain, there's a throne and a river, and a tree. And this is the real fulfillment and consummation of the good land. The good land is a type, it's a picture, and it's pointing us 
to the new Jerusalem, to the top of this mountain. So saints, we don't want to stay in our low condition, in our depressed, sad, or moody situation. We want to get on that elevator, or we want to get on that rocket ship, whatever you want to call it, a ladder. We want to get to the top, get to the top of this mountain. And let me tell you, the way to get to the mountain, to the top of the mountain, is our spirit. In our spirit is a heavenly ladder, and our spirit is joined to the ascended Christ in the heavens. That's how you get to the top of this mountain is by the exercise of our spirit. May the Lord bring us out of our emotion, out of our mind, out of our condition, into our mingled spirit where we can get to the height, the height of Zion, to the top of the mountain where God is. The air is clear. The uh, sky is blue. There's no distance. There's just us and the ascended Christ. This is where we want to be. Okay, but today, in this session, this evening, I believe it's Saturday evening now, we come to message number three. And we're not talking about the goodness of the land anymore. Or, or I'm sorry, first we had the goodness of the land in its spaciousness. Next we saw the goodness of the land in its ascendancy. Now we want to see the goodness of the land in its unsearchable riches. Wow. Wow. First, we have this expression, all-inclusive Christ. And then we have this expression, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, this is from the Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul, it's on our verse sheet. It says, to me, less than the least of all saints, was this grace given to announce to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. (laughs) Paul considered himself the lowest of all the believers. He considered himself the foremost of sinners. Of all the sinners in the whole universe of all time, he was the top sinner, number one, foremost. And so that made him less than the least of all the saints. You might consider yourself such a low one, such a pitiful saint, such a defeated one, a failure, a weak one. Paul was less than you. Paul was less than you. And he said to me, less than the least of all saints was this grace given to announce to to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what, what is that? The unsearchable riches. So this is the third aspect of the goodness of the land, the unsearchable riches. So now we want to explore, and over the next, probably the whole next conference, the whole next perfecting training is going to be on, continue on the unsearchable riches of the all-inclusive Christ. Amen? So, in this session, we're going to consider one of the riches. You could say a rich. (laughs) Of the unsearchable riches, there is the riches of the water. Okay? 
This land is a land of water. Okay, um, there's a verse, uh, again, I, I mentioned yesterday that um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 10, define and describe uh, this whole conference, that Jehovah, your God, is bringing you into a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it starts with verse 7, and let me read verse 7 to you. For Jehovah, your God, is bringing you to a good land, a land of water brooks, of springs, and of fountains, flowing forth in valleys and in mountains. Okay, it goes on. It talks about wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates and so forth. But we'll stop here. Verse 7 For Jehovah your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of water brooks, plural, of springs and of fountains, flowing forth in valleys and in mountains. There's there's many of everything. There's many water brooks. There's many springs. There's many fountains. There's many valleys. There's many mountains. So this is the kind of land it is. It's not a plain it's not a flat uh, land. It is a, a land of, of valleys and mountains, of water brooks, of streams, of fountains. And so the first thing that we need to see in the unsearchable riches of this all-inclusive Christ is that the Lord is rich in water. Oh, he is the real life supply. You know, we can live uh, maybe a few days without eating, maybe a week, maybe a month, but we can hardly live a few days without water. Water is so important to our life. And so you can say that this, this matter of the unsearchable riches of Christ, he's rich in the life supply. You know, there's a lot in the water, a lot of riches there. A lot of minerals, there's a lot of nourishment, there's supply, there's refreshing. Oh, he is rich in water. You know, if, if, um, if you're going to serve me a meal, you, always, you don't always start with uh, a big plate of solid food. You always supply a beverage. And so the very first thing that we need to fellowship here in the unsearchable riches is that this is part of the goodness of the land. It's rich with water. It's not a desert. It's not dry. Brothers and sisters, do you live a dry Christian life? Are you thirsty? I don't mean thirsty physically. I mean thirsty from your innermost being. Oh, we need to get into this land. There's an abundance of water here. So Roman 1 says, The land of Canaan is good in unsearchable riches. The first of these riches is water. Roman 2, The water brooks, springs, and fountains are types of the various kinds of supply of Christ's life. Okay, so the first thing that we need to be impressed is that this land is full of life supply. 
We need life supply every morning when we get up. We're going to work. We're facing the day. We need a supply of Christ's life. You know, you remember um, in John 7, on the last day of that feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes into me, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. This is in our verse sheet, John 7, 37 and 38. You see, the last day of the feast was supposed to be the best day, the highest and the most exciting day. It's a celebration. It's a feast. But even on the last day, the Lord knew, you're thirsty. You're empty inside. You still are thirsty. You hoped this feast would satisfy But now in the last day, you're still not satisfied. Now, you believe into me, you come to me, you drink of me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers, not just one, rivers of living water. So again, there's many rivers, all kinds of rivers, big ones, small ones, fast-moving rivers. Um... This is the land of Canaan. This is the good land, the all-inclusive Christ. Okay, so let's let's fellowship a little bit. He describes three different kinds of of water: water brooks, uh, fountains. Let's see, springs and fountains. Now, the way it is is that first you have a spring. And a spring is a source. And this spring is always feeding a fountain or a well. And this well, you know, in the Darby translation of this verse, it says of springs and deep waters. Oh, brothers and sisters, there's a source. And this source is a never-ending sure supply, and it's supplying water in the depths to this well that is without a bottom. It is deep water. And this deep water then is flowing out as water brooks. It's flowing out as little streams here, there, a stream, a brook, a creek, a river. It's flowing out to water the whole land and to water our entire life. So there's, there's water in three stages. Water in the source, water in the well, and water in the flow. This is what the Lord told the woman at the well. Remember the Lord in John 4 was sitting on the well and the Samaritan woman was coming out to him. And she had been married before. Actually, she had five husbands and the man she was with was not her husband. And the Lord's waiting for her and the Lord gently So sweetly, he says, can you give me a drink? And she's surprised. Here is a Jew asking a Samaritan for a drink of water. That's never, never happens. It's not heard of. And then the Lord said, well, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for water. And then he said, uh, in John 4, 24, it's uh, 4, 14, it's on our verse sheet. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him 
shall by no means thirst forever. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. Here again, you have the source, the fountain, and the flow. And this flow has a destination. And this destination is the kingdom of God, the house of God, even the new Jerusalem. You see, this water has a goal. This water is bringing us to God, to his purpose, to his house, his kingdom, to the church. Ultimately, it will bring us to the new Jerusalem. So what? You have to contact the water and the water will lead you to a deep well. You contact it as a spring, as a spring or a stream. You contact it as a brook, as a little creek, and you trace it, and it brings you to a deep source. And this source will bring you to the spring, which is really the source. That's the real source. You could say this is a type of the triune God. God the Father is the source. Christ the Son is the, uh, the well, the deep waters, and the Spirit is the flow. Okay, so let's keep going. A says, the water he gives will be in us a well of water, a fountain springing up into eternal life. B says, out of the innermost part of those who believe into him will flow rivers of living water. This is the supply of the life of Christ as living water When we contact the Lord Jesus, it is not long before we feel watered and our thirst is quenched. Brothers and sisters, too many of us live a dry Christian life. How we need to contact him. Lord Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord Jesus. Right in the middle of your day, in the middle of your duty, in the middle of shopping. Lord, I love you. Oh, I love you. Right away, the water is springing up. It's refreshing. It's watering. This is the life supply. This is the life supply, and we need to live a supplied life. Okay? And it says, out of our innermost being, where is this good land? Where is this all-inclusive Christ? This all-inclusive Christ is right now in our spirit. This all-inclusive good land, this spacious, transcendent, and insearchably rich good land is in our spirit. So here we come to point C. In this land, there's not only one stream, but many streams. There are many kinds of heavenly supplies. Did you notice that? I mentioned it, there are springs of joy, peace, and comfort. There are fountains of love, fountains of grace, and fountains of light. There are streams of patience, humility, forbearance, ministry, wisdom, understanding, prayer, and praise. Notice something here, saints. For us to experience, for example, a fountain of wisdom, or a stream of wisdom. It, has, it implies that you lack it. 
and you need it. It supplies that you're in a situation that needs wisdom. It's beyond you. It's too difficult for you. It's too high for you. And so what? You take a drink. You go, Lord Jesus, Lord, I love you. Lord, I open to you. Lord, I drink you as my wisdom to face this situation. He's a, he's a fountain of joy. He's a stream of joy. He's a, a stream of patience. The situation that we're in right now will exhaust your patience. Let me tell you something. Drink patience. Take a drink of this unsearchably rich Christ as your patience. You're going to find out that he's a a deep well. He's a never-ending, sure supply. You will be supplied. You'll be refreshed. You'll be uh, encouraged. You'll be, and you know what? Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You will then supply others. So no matter what it is you need, maybe you're sad, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're down a little bit. How about a, how about a glass of joy? How about a drink of joy? Go to that spring, go to that water brook and take a drink. Say, Lord Jesus, you are my real joy. You're my real satisfaction. You're my real happiness. I drink you right now. You be my life supply. And whether it's joy or peace or comfort, we have fountains of this. There are springs of this. There are streams of this. And so, brothers and sisters, our job is to drink. Just It's, it's an unsearchably rich land. This Christ is unsearchably rich. It, we have no excuse to be poor. We have no reason to be dry, to be thirsty. You know, there's a message in uh, the Life Study of Exodus where um, the topic was talking about the, the smitten rock and how Christ was smitten for us so that out of his side flowed blood and water, blood to wash our sins, water to supply us with his eternal life. And the message was on drinking and on being supplied. But then there was a message in that series, and the title was something like this, The Danger and Law and um, uh, The Danger and Something of Losing Our Thirst. You know, it becomes very dangerous. We get, you know, we get so thirsty that we begin to lose our thirst. We're not thirsty anymore. It may mean that we're getting our supplied from other sources. We're drinking from other wells. But there's a real danger and there's a real loss if we lose our thirst for the Lord. And so we always drink. We always drink. We take every situation of every day to be a reason for us to drink. Isn't that good? I'm just... Saints, I know this. I, I've experienced it. I'm not proud. Uh, maybe I'm the most thirsty person of, of everybody because I have the most problems. But brothers and sisters, I know how to drink the Lord. 
and I've enjoyed him so much just taking a drink. Sometimes it's impressed, so many things demanding on me, and I just need to say, Lord, I love you. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. We can never exhaust this source. This source is inexhaustible. Okay? So let's let's drink a lot and then when we come together, we can give we can flow out, we can share. Oh, I enjoyed the stream of joy this week. Oh, I enjoyed the stream of peace this week. I enjoyed I was right in the middle of something with my husband, my wife. There was some unhappiness there, there was some exchanging of words, and I needed the Lord as my wisdom, as my love, as my patience. I experienced, I I drank him, I took a drink, and this water brook satisfied my situation and met me right where I was. Amen. Okay, let's go on to Roman 3. Uh... Just remember, there are many different kinds of this heavenly supply. This heavenly supply will meet every need. You cannot, you cannot face a situation where this water will not meet your need. You have to believe me on this. Uh, Roman 3, the valleys and mountains signify the different kinds of environments in which we may experience Christ. Okay, the verse, let me read the verse again. Because the verse says, Jehovah your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of water brooks, of springs, and of fountains, flowing forth in valleys and in mountains. This water flows in your valley, and it flows in your mountain. It doesn't just flow from the mountain to the valley. It doesn't just flow in valleys and mountains. It flows in valleys and in mountains. I believe this is significant, saints. Listen to this. What does this mean? That it flows in valleys and in mountains. It's the many different kinds of environments in which we can experience Christ. We can know him on the top of a mountain. We can also experience him in the lowest valley. Many experiences we have are on the top of a mountain. Many experiences we have are in the lowest valley. I've been in the lowest valley. I know what it's like. I've also been on the top of the mountain. I know what that's like. I've been there. And in these valleys, there's a water brook. On the top of these mountains, there's a stream. Saints, let, let, me, let me describe this a little bit. It describes all different kinds of experiences. All the valleys are the experiences of the cross, the experience of the death of Christ, and all the mountains are the experiences of the Lord's resurrection. I recall a message that Brother Lee gave, oh, I think it was in the, in the 1970s. It's funny, it stuck with me, where, where we have these verses in Ephesians 4 about the Lord. When he ascended to the height, he led captive 
those being taken captive, and he gave gifts to men. It's talking about the ascended Christ. When the Lord ascended from his death and resurrection, he brought with him to God the Father a train of vanquished foes. (laughs) You know, in the old days, back in the Roman Empire, when a Roman general would go out to conquer the lands and he would wage war with a certain country or a certain people and he would defeat them, then what he would do is that he would lead them back to the capital, maybe to Rome, maybe to somewhere, and all his captives would be like a long train behind the conquering general. The general would be riding in his horse with his his clothes and his glory and his people with him, and behind him were all these enemies that had been defeated by him. And he's bringing them back as slaves, as conquered enemies. And this is the picture that when the Lord died on the cross and was buried in the tomb, and when he resurrected, he brought all of us to the Father. And we were these defeated enemies and we're marching along with him, behind him, <laughs> uh, being brought to God the Father. And then out of those vanquished foes, out of that train, out of that collection of, of defeated humanity, the Lord chose some of them to give to the church as gifts, gifts to the body of Christ. These have become the useful ones. And we are those gifts. Brothers and sisters, even the fact that you're in this conference indicates that you are one of these gifts that God the Father is giving to the body of Christ as a gift for the building up of the body of Christ. But the next verse in Ephesians 4, it says, Now this, he who uh, ascended is also the one who descended into the lower parts of the earth. See, The one who ascended, let me read this verse because it's very important uh, in this fellowship. It's Hebrews chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter four. Sorry, it's not on the verse sheet. It says, uh, well, let me, let me read the the whole portion as I was describing it. It begins with verse eight, Hebrew, uh, Ephesians four, eight. Therefore, the scripture says, Having ascended to the height, he led captive those taken captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What is it except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10, he who descended, he is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And then it says, and he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, my point here is this. And in this message, Brother Lee is describing how the Lord Jesus 
goes up and he goes down. He first descended and then he ascended. And brothers and sisters, you have to realize that the Lord will bring us down and he brings us up and he brings us down again. He brings us up again. It seems like this this Christian life is really a kind of strange life. A lot of downs and ups. It says, now he first descended and then he ascended. And, and in this message, Brother Lee talked about how the Lord is going up and down in us. Up and down. Up and down. <clears throat> and while he's going up and down in us, what's happening to us is that he's constituting us gifts to the body of Christ. If you cannot be down, you can never become one of those gifted ones. If you cannot be up, if you can only be up, you cannot be down. You follow me? If you only can be high. You know, there are saints like this. When they're up, they're high, they're happy, they function, they come to the meetings, they they bear responsibility, they serve, they do this and that. But as soon as they're down a little bit, you don't see them. You don't hear from them. And you have to wait. You have to wait. And all of a sudden, oh, they're back. They're back up again. Brothers and sisters, you have to understand something. There's a process going on. And that's what the valleys and the mountains are for. The valleys and the mountains and the springs, the fountains and the water brooks that flow in the valleys and in the mountains are doing something. They're producing us as gifts to the body of Christ. They're constituting something within us We can be in the valley. We can be on the mountain. To us, it's about the same. To us, there's almost no difference. We don't live in our feelings. We don't live by our emotion. If the Lord would choose to bring us down, we go down, but we drink there. We receive his life, his life supply. And then we trace. You know what we do? We trace that stream, that water brook, And it brings us to a deep well. And then that deep well brings us to the source, to the spring that supplies all of it. And we find ourselves at the throne of God, at the top of the mountain. Brothers and sisters, there is real wisdom here. There is the economy of God here. You have to see this and never despise the valleys and never treasure the mountains too much. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, both the valleys and the mountains work something out in us. Point B. In 2 Corinthians 6, verses 8 through 10, Paul mentions many contrasting things. In these verses, there are at least nine pairs of valleys and mountains. These are the places from which the water may flow. Okay, let me, let's read it. It's in our verse sheet. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. It says, Through glory and dishonor, through evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet behold we live, 
as being disciplined and yet not being put to death, as made sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enriching many, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, listen, there's nine pairs here. We all like glory, and we don't like dishonor. Have you ever had a bad report? Through evil report, good report. So glory is the mountain, dishonor is the valley, evil report is the valley, good report is the mountain, deceivers is the valley, yet true is the mountain, unknown, well-known, dying, hallelujah, we're alive, being disciplined, not put to death. See, brothers and sisters, even the Apostle Paul had so many, it's almost like extremes, glory, dishonor. You know, since since we've been in the Lord's recovery, there's been a lot of evil reports. Oh, it was so hard. You know, I'm a man, I'm a proud man, no doubt proud. And even as a Christian, with a heart for so many of the believers, brothers and sisters, and then to be labeled, to be in a cult, to be labeled as following a man, being labeled mindless, you know, we've been brainwashed, this and that. It was so humiliating. It was so hard. We'd, we'd talk to Christians. They would walk away. They would not have want to have anything to do with us. Friends, lifelong friends up to that point have nothing to do with us ever again. It was hard. It was a very difficult time. And uh, we began to experience the Lord as dishonor. And then we passed through that. The Lord brought us to a situation of glory. We had evil reports. We had good reports. We know this. We've passed through this. In all these situations, we learned how to drink the Lord how to experience him. You know, Paul also wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, let me read these verses. These also give some contrast. Uh, from chapter 4, verses 8, uh, 9, and 10. It's also not on your verse sheet, sorry. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, sorry, that's 7. Um uh, but I'll continue, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not out of us. So that's the first contrast. God and us. Yes, God, not out of us. We are pressed on every side, but not constricted. That means you're pressed, but you're not pressed to death. (laughs) Unable to find a way out, we can't find a way out but not utterly without a way out. There's always a way out. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Cast down, but not destroyed. Here you have also this contrasting. One is the life of Jesus, and the other is the putting to death of our natural life. 
See, part of us needs to die so that Christ can live. If we're so strong in our natural life, we'll always live. So the Lord needs to bring us through all kinds of experiences to break us in our outer man so that the inner man could be renewed. So our outer man is decaying, but our inner man is being renewed. And this is how it happens. It happens in the valleys, and it happens on the mountains. Never despise the valleys, and never treasure the mountains too much. Okay? Um, Okay, where am I? Point C. There are first the valleys, and then the mountains. The first place that we contact flowing water is in the valleys. If we trace that stream up to its origin, we find that it springs from the mountains. The first place that you will experience the stream is in the valley. When you're there, you've got a drink. Oh, Lord Jesus. Maybe all you can say is, oh, oh, but drink, dear saints. Brothers and sisters, drink. Drink there. Oh, I don't want to talk about myself too much because I don't want you to think more highly of me. I'm just like I'm just like you. I'm just the most ordinary person. I'm a basically an uneducated California farm boy. But I found the Lord. And he brought me up. He put me on the heavenly ladder. He took me to the mountain. But I've been in the valley. I've been in the valley. But I learned how to contact the Lord and how to be with the Lord while I was in the valley. Just two and a half years ago, the Lord brought Joyce and I into the lowest valley. Day after day, day after day. Unspeakable. Unspeakable sadness. Unspeakable loss. Sorry. I don't want to make you sad. I don't want to talk about this. But I have to tell you, I was drinking. I was drinking. It doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It doesn't mean I wasn't sad. It wasn't. doesn't mean that there wasn't tremendous loss, unspeakable loss. But it does mean that there was a supply there. There was a supply. I have to tell you, I was supplied. And that's why I can be here today. That's why I can be here today. You know, at the beginning, when my daughter was first diagnosed with cancer, with this extremely, extremely aggressive cancer, they gave her only a few months to live. She lived nine months. That's all. We wanted the Lord to slow it down. We wanted some kind of treatment that would just give us a little more time. But none of those prayers were answered. Was I bitter? No. I was drinking. Was I sad? Unspeakable. Was it hard? Absolutely indescribable. But in that valley... In that valley, there was a supply. 
I was drinking. And my prayer from the very beginning, I opened this to some of the brothers. I said, you know, I've, I've seen this happen where saints, dear saints, they lost one of their ch children. They lost a child. Actually, this happened in my own family. My father lost his youngest son. My little brother died when he was 11. Sorry. And he was never the same again. My father was never the same again. It devastated him. It devastated him. And I told the Lord, Lord, I know I'm going to pass through something, but I don't want to be devastated. I don't want to be different in that way. I don't want to be out of function. And the Lord became a stream in me. And so today I can flow. I can flow out so that you can be supplied. As I'm describing this, I'm on the top of a mountain. And as you're listening to this, you're on the top of a mountain too. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be defeated by anything. We can drink this river, this source, this water is unsearchably rich. Amen. I'll just say this much on that. First, we experience this in the valley, and then it brings us to the mountains. Point D, we need many experiences of the Lord's death and many experiences of the Lord's resurrection. Not just one, many, again and again and again. Never get tired of this, never be discouraged by this. Then we will be full. We will be full of springs, the fountains, and the streams. Out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. As we pass through this experience of being brought down and up, down and up, the Lord will constitute us a gift to the body of Christ. He will become a supply within us so that in our groups, in our vital groups, in the church meetings, the Lord's table, in the prayer meeting, something will be flowing out of our being. Something will flow out as a supply to others. Point E. When we experience Christ and apply Christ, when we, are, when we are in all kinds of suffering, then we will have something that not only refreshes ourselves, but also flows forth to water others. <laughs> oh, brothers and sisters, sometimes I, I have to be honest. I'm in the meetings, and there's not much riches flowing out to water the saints, to supply the new ones. And it can only mean that we're not really experiencing Christ in this way. Because when we do, there's something flowing out. It's not like you're conscious of it, like, oh, I experienced the Lord as my joy this week, so I stand up and I give a testimony about joy. No, it's not like that at all. What happens is this, if we can experience Christ in times of trouble and trials, 
then there, there is a, a well of water in us. And as soon as we are with the saints, with new ones, with whether it's on Zoom or it's in person, something begins to flow out. It's spontaneous. It's automatic. It's not, it's not formal or rigid. Every situation of death that we pass through results in a flow, a flow to others. So we have something not only to refresh ourselves, and we do have that, but we have, there's a never-ending source to that. There's always something more that will refresh others. Saints, even as I'm fellowshipping this, I'm so refreshed. I can sense there's there's a gushing, there's a flowing, there's a supply coming out to others, to you. Okay, let's come to the last section. Roman 4, when we are practically joined to Christ as the reality of the good land and are enjoying his riches, God's eyes are upon us continually, causing us to enjoy God's presence and making us the object of his care. Let me read this portion. Sorry, I dropped my paper. Let me read this portion. This is on our verse sheet. It's Deuteronomy 11, verses 11 and 12. It says, But the land into which you are crossing over to possess is a land of mountains and valleys. It's a land of mountains and valleys. By virtue of heaven's rain, it drinks in water. The land is just soaking up the water. It is a land which Jehovah your God cares for. Always the eyes of Jehovah your God are upon it. From the beginning of the year, even to the end of the year. Well, saints, you need to know something. The eyes represent his presence. You know, if I'm unhappy with you, I may turn my eyes away from you. But if I love you, oh, I want to look in your eyes. And when the Lord's eyes are upon you, that means he cares about you, he's concerned about you, he loves you, and he's one with you. You have his presence. Let me tell you something. When you're in this all-inclusive Christ, in the good land, the eyes of Jehovah are upon you. You have his presence. You have his smile. You have him. You have his very person. And it's in the mountains and valleys. Did you see that? It's in the verse. The valleys and the mountains. That's where his eyes are. You know what? You go with the Lord in this process of up and down, down and up. You have the Lord's presence. You have his eyes. You have his smile. You have his care, his concern. A says the mountains and the valleys are not the source of the water. Heaven is the source. Did you notice that in the verse? It says, it, it, the, the land, what? By virtue of heaven's rain, it drinks in water. Ultimately, the water, the source of the water is not the mountain. The source of the water is heaven's rain. 
<laughs> heavens reign. Wow. The heavens are the source of this supply comes from the heavens. Heaven is the source. All the living waters, all the streams come from heaven. The source is heaven because this is a land which Jehovah your God cares for. In Hebrews, that means he seeks after. Always the eyes of Jehovah your God are upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. This, when it says that the eye of the land uh, 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 which Jehovah your God cares for or seeks after, let me tell you something. The Lord is seeking for people who will just enjoy his Christ, the all-inclusive Christ. If you're such a person who will give yourself to enjoy the all-inclusive Christ, I'll tell you something. The eyes of God are upon you. He's seeking this. In fact, we have this verse in John 4.24. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truthfulness. For such, the Father seeks to worship him. Father is seeking such worshipers. What are these worshipers? These are drinkers. These are those who are drinking. Father is seeking. His eyes are on the all-inclusive Christ. It's like, it's like he's prepared this in, in, enormous feast. 20 courses, rich in every kind of food, the best food. He's prepared this feast it's the all-inclusive Christ. And he spread it out on this table. Even the land of Canaan is called a table land. It's now set out on the table. And we've all been called to come and eat, come and dine. Oh, come and enjoy. Whatever you like, whatever, you, whatever portion you need, whatever stream, water brook, whatever you lack, Eat and then rest. And after you've rested for a while, come back and eat again and then rest some more. But suppose you prepare such a feast and no one comes, or only a few, only one or two. And all that supply, all those riches are just there. But no one will come to eat. Rather, they're eating from other sources. Maybe they're just enjoying a little manna over here, maybe a little uh, Passover lamb. But the Lord, his eyes are on that all-inclusive Christ. And he's seeking worshipers. He's seeking enjoyers. He's seeking eaters, drinkers, feasters. Those who will come to this wonderful feast. Okay, point C, the last point. With the eyes of God is the presence of God. 
The presence of God will be with us because we experience Christ as our living water, because we are in the good land. Brothers and sisters, I can testify I'm in the good land and I'm enjoying this rich supply. I I also pray I'm so burdened for you. We would not become discouraged. We would not be disappointed. We would not become bitter. We all have our situations. We all get our personal assignment. We have no choice in the matter. You know, I'm so so concerned. You know, I get I get a lot of calls, I get emails, I get text messages. Saints want fellowship. They want to talk. I think, oh Lord, they they need to talk to you. I I can't supply them. I don't know what to say. And and I'm happy to listen. I'm happy to sit with you to listen to whatever. But my whole goal is to help you to drink this source, drink this water. You know, we have, sorry, and now this may sound personal, but for you, we have young sisters who want to be married. I understand that. I have three daughters. I I know that. Uh, I can't just create husbands. And they pray and they... They become discouraged. They just get distracted, even become bitter. And then their son, they got married. They got a husband. And then their husband is a hard husband. It's difficult, demanding, maybe unloving, maybe not helpful. And that's hard. What's harder, being single or being in a difficult marriage? And then some... They really want to have a child and they can't have children. And this becomes a suffering. They try, they try, they do this, they do that. They suffer, they struggle. And then some have children and the children are a problem. The children become a problem. The children have health issues. They have other kind of problems, behavior problems. Brothers and sisters, We're in a particular situation. It's called economy of God. And we've consecrated ourselves to the Lord. We gave him the preeminence in our being. We gave him permission that whatever he needs to do, whatever situation he needs to bring us through, that he would do it because we want to be his overcomers. We want to be his bride. And so we're in bride preparation mode right now. And in this bride preparation mode, we get a lot of things that happen to us, that we pass through. We thought, oh, we thought it would be a simple path. We thought it would be a smooth path, a path of blessing, a path of joy and rejoicing. And we even thought, well, if if I believe in the Lord, then everything will go smooth. Actually, it seems everything went wrong. Well, let me tell you, you're in the process. The triune God is making you the bride of Christ. That's what's happening. 
and we are learning how to enjoy this all-inclusive Christ in the valleys, in the mountains, in any kind of situation. We pray, we expect that the Lord will deliver us, release us from our problem, take that problem away, turn that situation around, but it seems like nothing changes. Nothing changes. Well, I can promise you, those valleys do not last forever. You just begin to drink and you follow the source. And eventually you find yourself on the mountain. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord lead us and bring us into the experience and enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ in his unsearchable riches. We learn to apply him and we experience and enjoy him here. Amen.